right, we're going to continue in our training plans series. We're in week three of, of our series. We're probably going to take this another couple weeks. And, and a lot of this has come from my experience of, of training for this, this crazy race that I did in August and some of the things that I learned and how we can take those, those items that I learned in, in a lot of ways, a physical training mindset and, and apply them in a spiritual way to help us understand these areas, to help us to grow, to help us to experience more of, of God and more what God wants to do in us. And through us. And so to be able to do those things, whether it be a physical race or a spiritual race, we got to train. We have to do the things that are necessary so that we can accomplish the goals that we have set and more importantly, that God has set. And so over this series, we've really been in 1 Timothy 4. We've looked at 1 Timothy 4 8 is kind of our, our main um, kind of main verse for this series. But before we get to that, to kind of talk about what we're going to be talking about. We're going to actually, and, and throughout the series, we're actually going to be in 1 Timothy 4 quite a bit. So we're going to be jumping around. Today we're going to look at 1 Timothy 1 in just a second. But to kind of, kind of give you an idea of where we're going this morning, one of the experiences that I had at this race was actually kind of during it, uh, even a little bit before it, but especially afterwards. Now, afterwards, we, we got up Monday morning to come home from Steamboat Springs. And so we kind of, I had the race Sunday, and so I was pretty tired and pretty wore out. But we got up Monday morning and we started packing the car to go home. And so one of the things that was kind of neat about this race is, is you don't get a medal if you finish. Okay, Now if you win, you get a lot of cool stuff, which I, that, that was not going to happen. But, but if you finish, you get a little something kind of cool. Like Emily's always done like these marathons or half marathons, excuse me, in 10Ks. And she always gets these medals that are now hanging around Easton's door. So that whenever he opens the door, cling, 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 we know what he's doing, you know. It's just, we don't, don't tell him that that's kind of like a cat bell, you know, so, but it kind of works like that. But, but I didn't get a medal for finishing. I actually got a hat, which is pretty cool. And the hat is, is mainly gray. And depending on which course you finish is the color of, of some of your hat. So basically, if you, like I did, I finished the black course. So your hat is gray with some black in it. If you finish the blue course, it's gray with some blue and you get the picture. Well, that morning, I got up, and, and, and you better believe I was going to wear my hat, you know. So I put my hat on, and I'm, we're loading the car out of the hotel that we were at. And this, this gentleman is kind of doing kind of the same thing, and he looks at me, and he goes, he looks kind of at my face, and then he looks up at my hat. And he goes, oh, you finished the black course. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, barely could walk, but, you know, it's like, you know. And, and he was like, oh, well, well, I, I was doing the blue course. And, and, and now a blue course is about 104 miles or something. So that's, that's, that's a big ride. That's, that's not messing around. But he made the comment. He said, but I didn't, I wasn't able to make it. He said, I didn't finish the blue course. And, and he said, well, you know, it's kind of nice. They, I, I was able to finish the red. And, and, and basically, I, I, they gave me a, a hat with some red in it. And I think the red was 60 or something like that. But, but I, just, I just remembered him very distinctly because cause, cause there, was this, there was this excitement that he had, he had done the race, but he hadn't finished. He ha and he had, but he didn't, he didn't finish strong. He didn't finish in the way that he really wanted to finish. And I remember even before the race looking at the course and, and they had places where you could turn back. You could go or, or, hey, if you don't want to finish this crazy race, you could turn back. You could still finish, but you wouldn't finish the goal that you really set out to do. And here's the thing. As we look at these ideas and this training, there's, there's a tendency for Christians and for people to want to turn back. Whether it's, whether it's they don't want to finish the race completely, they just want to stop, they want to quit, they don't want to do it anymore, or maybe they just aren't interested in finishing their race as strong or as to accomplish really what God's called them to do. You see, here's the thing. We've been looking at 1 first, uh, Timothy 4, 8, and we've looked at this idea of training. We'll look at it in a second. But we're going to start this morning at 1 Timothy 4, verses, the first part of verse 1. 1 Timothy 4.1 is the reason why we need 1 Timothy 4.8. So let's look at this together. 1 Timothy 4.1a, this is what it says. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, or the last days, or, or basically in my opinion, the time that we're in right now, some will turn away. 
from the true faith. Some will turn away from the true faith. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. God, I pray that you would just help me to communicate the things that you desire to be shared with your people. Father, whether they're here or online, whether it's today or later, God, that whenever it is, that Father, you would help me through your Holy Spirit to communicate the things that you want shared. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I, I haven't heard about it recently, but I know that, that you kind of hear these things quite a bit, um, at least I have, where, where you have certain individuals who, who are kind of famous, who people know, maybe in the, in, especially in the Christian world, maybe I've seen sometimes authors or, or, or worship leaders, and, and, and what we've seen recently is this turning away from the faith. It seems like we, we, we tend to turn on uh, the, the internet, or that's a weird way to put it, turn on the internet, but, but look at things, or we see a, a story come up, and, and there's another one where, where so-and-so, who, who, especially some of these guys and gals, you know, like I, I knew when I was younger and, and kind of listened to and had a, had a lot of respect for, and now all of a sudden they're just, you know, it's, it's not that they're not going to finish their race strong, it's literally they just said, I'm done, I'm not going to run the race anymore. And they've rejected the Jesus that they've written songs about and written about and experienced. And, and here's the thing I, I know. If you're hearing about kind of famous people here or there, how many more others that aren't famous are, are having this prophecy come true in their lives? We are starting to see a situation where people are beginning to say, you know what, I'm done. You know what, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live this life anymore. I don't believe these things anymore. And it's very similar to on that race day because I was there and I experienced people and you could just tell, I could look at them and, and look over and go, man, I know what race they're going to try to run, but you know what? I don't know if they're going to make it. I don't believe they're going to be able to conclude what God has called them to do. I don't believe that they're going to be able to finish. Here's the thing. The concern is that many of us start well. And we have a good walk with God, but we will not finish the race. We start well. We get excited. We start moving in the right direction. We start doing all the things that we know we ought to do. We're training. We're working. We're, we're, we're becoming more like Jesus. But as the time goes on, it seems like it just becomes harder and harder and harder. And instead, unfortunately, of getting stronger in our faith, we tend to begin to pull away. We begin to turn away. It's because it's not easy. It's because it's not hard. Or it's very hard at times to follow Jesus. You know, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But you know, when, when you follow Jesus, when you accept him and say, you know what, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be for you. Basically, at that moment, the enemy puts a target on your back. It's not easy. It wasn't supposed to be easy. Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy. But because sometimes it's hard and it's difficult and the race is long and the miles are long and this, the hills are steep, we tend to say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm done. I don't want to finish this race. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to help us look at this honestly and openly. Not act like, oh, this doesn't happen, or, or no, I'm too mature for this. Or Listen, this is happening all over our world. And we need to look at it so that we can understand it, so we can fight against it, and so we can understand that God has great things for us. There is a finish coming. There's a victory coming if we don't quit, if we continue on. So I want to help you with this. I want to look at this together. And here's the first thing. I want, you to, I want you to understand what you should expect as you train for and on race day. One of the hardest things about this situation for me was I had never done this before. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was coming. I didn't understand how this was all going to play out. I remember thinking, is this going to happen or is that going to happen? What I want to do is help you understand what's coming so that when it hits, you'll be ready. 
So when it takes place, you'll understand the situation. Now, let's look at 1 Timothy 4. We're going to start with verse number 8, which is our main scripture for our series. But we're going to continue through verse number 10. So let's look at this together. 1 Timothy uh, 8, uh, excuse me, 1 Timothy 4, 8 through 10. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, verse number nine. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. So as we look at this, we need to understand what's coming. What is about to take place if it's not already in your life? Because it will come. There will be moments. Monica, will you throw that picture up there? I, I put this up here because I want you to see something. Now, now, this is what I was looking at before the race. Before I decided that I was going to do this crazy thing, I went to this website and I looked. Now, here's what you can see, okay? You see that little square with the, the, the red thing around it? That's my starting point. That's in Steamboat Springs, okay? And so basically, I would travel north and go up, and those A's are, are you know, some, I, I was showing Linda this, and she's like, what are those A's? Those were, those were um, uh, aid stations, basically. They were places where you could get more water and food, and, and also, you know, if something bad happened, you could get some help, okay? So that's what those are. So, so I would go up north, and you kind of see the line going to the right, and then it kind of combines, and then there's a little, little lollipop up there by the first A up north, and then I'd come down, and then instead of going back towards, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. The same people that were riding each level were riding on the same course. So when you see courses come together, those were usually places where if you were going to just ride 30-some miles, then you would head back because the start and the finish was the same for everybody. Make sense? So if you wanted to go, I could have said, you know what, I'm going to do this really, really long ride. But right when they get to that, the first little combine there, I could have said, you know what, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm going home. And I could have gone. But if you see, if you keep going to the left, it goes down and goes around. And then, and then you get to that, that last bottom A, the more south A, and then you have another loop. You could have turned around there. You could have gone back home. If you were doing, the, the people that were doing the black course were the only ones that did that final loop there at the bottom. And, and trust me on this, it was not fun. Now, here's the other thing that I, showed, I wanted you to see. Down below that, that is the elevation gain. Okay, I, I wish I had a laser pointer. I don't because that probably would be bad for my dog because I would just run him rampant, you know, with that little thing. So I don't. So you have to look here. But you see how it kind of just goes? And then there's a whoop. Let me explain this to you very clearly. The whoops are not happy-go-lucky go moments in your life on this race. Okay? Those are climbs. You see, you see this little... Oh, who has a laser pointer? John does. Okay. John, can you do me a favor? The, the people on, online aren't going to be able to see this, but that's okay. You see, you see these hills? Those are going up. You see? Those, those, those are the miles distance, and then up and up and up and up and up. Oh, thank you. The green button. The green button. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a really bad science teacher. Okay. So, so you got this little loop right here. These are not fun moments. This was a fun moment because you're going down. It was fast. It was crazy. It was, I didn't have to pedal. It was wonderful. But let me show you something. You see here, this is a 90 mile mark. You see about right about here. This was not fun. And then you're like, okay, I'm done. This was not fun. And then you're like, okay, I'm done, I'm done. That was not, it was a struggle, okay? It was not the moment where I was jumping up and down. You are going to struggle, okay? You are going to struggle. But this morning, I want you to understand the word struggle differently than most of us seem to see that word. 
we see that word as sometimes negative and as bad. And I want us, because I believe scripturally it backs this up, I want us to take that word struggle and I want us to flip it. Because here's the thing, this is in your notes. I want you to see this. Some think struggling is a sign of weakness. But struggling is a sign that you are training, that you are working, and that you are moving forward. We tend to look at struggling, oh, I can't believe I'm struggling. We, we all struggle. Every single one of us struggle. And we look at struggling, oh, I'm just so horrible. Oh, I'm just so not good. Listen, if you weren't working, if you weren't moving, if you weren't doing something great, you wouldn't have the struggle. Struggle comes because you're training. Struggle comes because you're working. Struggle comes, hear me, because you're growing. You're getting stronger. Listen, I would say if you could look at me and say, Aaron, there's no struggle and there hasn't been a struggle in my life for the last year, I would probably look at you and say, then you probably have had very little growth, spiritually speaking. Struggling shows that you're working. Struggling is not something that we look at and go, oh my goodness, woe is me, what's wrong with me? Struggle should be a part of every Christian's existence because it's what helps us to grow and to finish the race the way God wants us to finish it. But what tends to happen, and here's what's interesting, and it's not up there, it doesn't need to be up there again, but here's the thing, on the, that race, you remember when they had those big, long things guess what was usually right before that the exit right before that was where you could say you know what I'm done here I don't want to do this anymore this isn't fun anymore I want to go home but it was a sign listen Here's the thing, as much as that race hurt at times, and as much as it was a struggle, the struggle meant I was working. The struggle meant I was moving. You know, remember those A's? You know what those were? Yeah, I told you those were aid stations. Well, guess what you did in an A station? You rested. You got water. You got food. But you know what? I didn't hurt at the aid station. I breathed just fine at the aid station. But here's the problem. I wasn't moving anywhere. I wasn't going to finish the race sitting at the aid station. And so sometimes people, it's not so much that they quit their race with the Lord. It's that they find a nice, comfy aid station and they say, I'll just stay here until the race is over. And they never accomplish the great things. The struggle is real. I'm not saying it isn't. But what I'm saying is there is some benefit in that pain. There is something about it that only the struggle can bring out. How many times have you heard it? You find out what's really in the grapes when the grapes are squeezed, squished, struggle, pressure. Other translations, instead of struggle, they use the word labor or strive or even the idea of training. There is a connection between verse number four, uh, verse eight, and verse number ten. It's like obviously the context is one and the same that we need to understand. So let's look at a few principles of the struggle. Uh, and if you like the word training, use that one. Whatever you like, let's look at a few of them because I think we need to understand the struggle a little bit more. Number one, the first thing we need to understand who we're struggling against. Now listen, I know I have talked on this before, but this is just, it just keeps coming back into my head over and over again. And I think it's because the church, unfortunately, has failed to understand who the enemy really is and where the struggle really comes from. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 12. This is what it says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against our spouse. It's not against our kids. It's not against our neighbors, but it's against against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Listen, you've got to understand who the enemy is. Because unfortunately, as the church as a whole, we have spent a lot of time fighting the wrong enemies. 
If we would spend more time fighting who the real enemy is, we probably would see more spiritual victories in people's lives. But instead, we fight battles that we were never intended to fight because we're fighting enemies that we really don't have. We have to understand that. And we will not grow spiritually if we're not willing to struggle against the correct enemy. And the enemy is literally what we call Satan or, guess what, the enemy. And he is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's time that we begin to fight that enemy, not the imaginary ones that we tend to make up because of the people that we sometimes have to deal with. We have to understand who the struggle is really against. Number two, we are not alone as we struggle. You talk about the enemy. You know what his, one of his best tools in this area is? To get you to think you're the only one that struggles. To get you to believe you're all alone. You know, to get you to think, you know what? Nope, nope, nope. You're, you're it. You're, you're the only one dealing with this problem. You're the only one dealing with this situation. So-and-so doesn't deal with this. So-and-so doesn't deal with that. You are all alone. Can I help you with something? You're not alone. We all struggle. I struggle. You struggle. Every person struggles. It doesn't matter. You, 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 maybe you have a marriage that, that, that is, is hard right now. It's not working. And you, you tend to look at other people and you go, oh boy, if I just had a marriage like them. Listen, I, they may have a great marriage, but their marriage isn't perfect. They struggled. They're probably struggling now. How, did you, how do you think they got such a great marriage? I'll tell you. They struggled. They fought. They were willing to say, you know what? We're going to make sure that we have this. You see people with their children. Oh boy, I wish I could have that type of relationship. You know what? I promise you, there was a struggle. You're not alone. And I want to drive this point even more hard because I know how much of an idea it is and how much the enemy uses it. So look with me in Romans 7. In Romans 7, this is what it says. This is Paul writing. Paul the apostle. Paul that wrote most of the New Testament. You get what I'm saying here. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, listen to what he says. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And thank goodness we have verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul struggled. Paul dealt with some serious stuff, guys. But yet Paul understood where his freedom came from. He understood that. So Paul struggles. I struggle. You want, you want the ultimate? Luke 22. Let's look at Luke 22. Starting with verse number 42. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want, what your, will, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Folks, Jesus struggled. Jesus struggled. Now, here's the amazing part. Jesus never gave in to the struggle. Thank the Lord. But he struggled. He was struggling there. He was struggling in other areas that he had. I mean, you, think he, you think it was easy dealing with Peter all the time? You think it was easy that the, thuns, the sons of thunder wanting to call down lightning and obliterating people? You think that was a fun moment? You think dealing with the Pharisees who should have known better, who were plotting his death and he knew it, you think that was fun and easy? You think living a perfect, sinless life he suffered. He worked. He trained. 
The great thing that is different from me and you and Paul is that Jesus never, ever gave up. He never, ever failed. He never, ever gave in to the struggle. And because he never gave in, we can understand the last one that we're going to talk about this morning, and it's this. The victory is worth the struggle. The victory is worth the struggle. Listen, I remember in this race, and, and, and we're probably going to get a little bit more into it in the next couple of weeks, but so I'm going to leave it here, but, but I was in physical agony. I'll tell you more about it later. But you know what kept me going? You know what? When, it, when, it, when I would look and I'd go, there it is. I don't have, I can end this right now. I don't have, it was the thrill of the victory that kept me going. It was the thought that I am going to cross that line. We talked about it a little bit last week. It was knowing that Emily and Easton would be at that line. It was knowing that the victory was coming and the victory was worth every pain, every hurt, every mile, every hill, every out of breath, every time where it was like, I should quit, I should give up, I should go home. I kept my eyes on the victory. I kept my eyes on the finish line and I said, no, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. Look at Romans 8. 8, 35 through 37, says this, does it mean he no longer loves us? Speaking of Jesus, if we have trouble or calamity, if we're suffering basically, or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, as the scriptures say, for, you, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Listen, I was able to get through something that was very difficult for a, for, for a silly ball cap. Just to have my son and my wife go, yeah, when I crossed the line. Folks, there is a victory coming that is so much greater than a silly hat. There is a victory coming. There are people that are at that finish line that are cheering you on, saying, come on, the victory's close. You can make it. And you know what? Listen, I love my wife. I love my son. But my Jesus is at that finish line. And he's saying, come on home. That overwhelming victory is ours. If we can keep fighting through the struggle, keep growing, keep experiencing those things. So to close this morning, I want to look at some kind of some applications, some things that are a little more feet on the ground kind of things. I want to look at areas in our lives that we can struggle that God desires to help us grow. Now, you may not struggle in all of these areas. You may struggle in one or two. Maybe you do struggle in all of them. But these are areas that I feel like that we need to focus in on as individuals, and as our church family. Maybe, maybe, maybe church capital C as well. But these are areas that we can struggle, that all of us usually struggle in some way, shape, or form that God wants to help us grow. There's five of them. Number one, it is a struggle to truly love people. It can be a struggle to truly love people. Listen, it is so much easier to backbite and to gossip and to act like you're better than everybody else. It is so much harder. It is a struggle to truly love people. And here's why at times. Because to truly love people, you have to decrease to let them increase. We love that scripture, don't we? Where John the Baptist says, yeah, I must decrease, so he must increase. Isn't that beautiful? We love that. But here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus, not only do we need to decrease so Christ can increase because we love him, but our desires, what we want, our situations have to decrease so that the people that we love things can increase. Sometimes to love my wife or my child or, 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 or my family or you, there are things where I have to say, you know what? It's not about what I want right now. 
I'm not talking about, it's not a struggle to truly like people. It is a struggle to truly love them. To die to self and say what you need, what your needs are, are more important than what I need. Listen, you want to revolutionize this world? You want to revolutionize marriages, families, children, churches? We just, we just, if we just loved people the way Jesus commands us to. I mean, folks, he even said, the world will know you are my disciples by the love you show to one another. It's a struggle, though. It's hard. It's hard. Number two, it's a struggle to be both a disciple and an evangelist. It's a struggle to be both. Listen, is it important that you catch this? When Jesus calls his disciples, when he calls Peter, James, and John, and all those, you know, not all of them, of course, but, but, but in that story that we hear so much, Jesus says basically a, a, a two-sided command or, or, or invitation, as it was. He says, come follow me, and then he says, and I will make you fishers of men. So there's two things here that Jesus is invoking as he invites these men to follow him. One is exactly what we would think. It is to be a disciple. It is to follow him, to learn from him, to experience life with him. But the second is that we are an evangelist. That we share that good news with people. That we're not hoarding it and keeping it to ourselves. Listen, I've met people who are amazing evangelists. I mean, it's like they would, they'll share the good news with, with a lamppost and the lamppost will get saved. But unfortunately, they really don't have a deep, deep, growing relationship with Jesus. It's strange. I've seen it. And I've seen people who are just, I mean, they are disciples of Jesus and disciples of the word. And I mean, it's like they can, you can give them a verse and they can be like, well, here's the original Hebrew. Here's the original Greek. Here's, here it is in Aramaic, even though, you know, I mean, they'll just go to town. But it's like, who's the last person you share Jesus with? And they're like, uh, I don't do that. It's hard to be both, unfortunately. You would think it wouldn't be. But sometimes it can be. God has called you to be both a disciple and an evangelist. To be growing in him and experiencing him, but taking that light and being a light. But it can be a struggle. It can be a struggle. Number three, it's a struggle to be a team. We have never in our world and in our churches been more divided. It's hard to be a team. It's hard to do things with people who quite honestly have different backgrounds than you, who would do it differently than you would do it. But yet God has called us to be unified. God has called us to be a unified body moving forward. And he's even understood that we're going to be different. That's why we see in scripture where it says, why should the hand look at the foot and say, I'm basically better than you? Or the nose to the eye or the ear. Basically what Jesus is saying is, listen, you can be unified and be different. That's okay. But it's a struggle. If it wasn't, we wouldn't see that passage of scripture so clearly illustrated in a church in Corinth that was dealing with unity issues. It's a struggle to be a team. It's a struggle to trust others to do their part sometimes. You know, how many of you ever grew up and, and you, you had, you know, and, and some people, they loved this and some people hated it, where you had a, a team project or you did an assignment in partners. I, th th certain subjects, leave me alone, let me do it on my own. And there are other subjects I was like, hey, yeah, I'll use some help. That'd be great. It's hard to be in a team sometimes because it means that you trust the other to be growing and to be doing the things that they need to be doing. But you know what? The enemy loves, so you hear me, the enemy loves division, loves it will divide at every opportunity. It's a struggle to remain a team. Number four, it's a struggle to put God first. There are so many other things vying for our attention, for our time, for our treasures, for our talents. There are so many other things that we could say, you know what, I, I, I'd really rather do this. Or you know what, I'd rather really, really do that. 
It's a struggle sometimes to say, no, God, you're first. No, God, I, yes, yes, God, I'd rather sleep a little bit longer, but I'm going to get up and spend time with you. It's a struggle to do that sometimes. And here's the thing, it's not easy. It's not easy to put God first. You'd think it would be. You'd think that we would realize all that God has done for us. But you know what? I'll speak from, from personal experience. Sometimes it's not easy to say, you know, God, I'm going to pray right now. Sometimes it's not easy to say, God, I'm going to study your word right now and look at these things. God, it's not easy to put you first sometimes. It's a struggle. But listen, when we're doing these things, we're growing in these areas. Don't you understand? When we say, you know what, God, it is a struggle, but I am going to spend time with you. We grow in that area. The struggle is real, but the growth is real as well. And then the last one is the struggle when everything is hard or going wrong. Listen, we all can know this. It, it, when everything is going right, it's not hard. It's not a struggle. Okay? It, listen, go back to the race. You remember the hills? It was not a struggle when I was going down one of those. And it was crazy because I have a little bike computer. And so I'm looking. Here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's what happens, okay? I'm looking down at my bike computer, which I could not do very long because of safety issues. But my bike computer had a miles per hour on it. And I top speed. Going some down some of those hills was over 40 miles an hour. Please do not try to remind me what would have happened to my body if I had not, if I had met pavement at that moment. I thought I was going fast. I was moving so quickly. But here's the thing. As fast as I thought I was moving, I wasn't training and I wasn't growing if all I did to prepare for my race was go downhill, I never would have finished. The hard moments are hard, but it's where you grow. I remember always saying this to our youth. As a youth pastor, I would say these words. They got to be sick of hearing them. I would say, guys, you've got to understand, the flowers grow in the valleys. The higher you go up, that mountaintop experience that we all love and God brings for times of refreshing that are so wonderful. Listen, the higher you go up, the less things grow. If I said, hey, we're going to go climb Pike's Peak, guess what you're going to find? Nothing. Snow, wind, and a lot less oxygen. But the lower you get, the more life you will find. The struggle comes in hard moments. And I know it's hard because we want to just make it all perfect and we want it all go away. But the thing is, the growth that God really desires to do in you comes, if you'll go back with me to the race and the training, it goes and it happens on the hills. It happens on the hills. You see, here's the thing you need to understand. Riding 143 miles, hear me, isn't hard. If it's flat and you're going downhill. What makes it hard, what makes it an accomplishment, is the fact that there were 9,000 feet of climbing. I've often said, and this may sound mean, but, but a rock can fall down a hill pretty fast. Find me somebody that can go fast uphill and I'll find you a strong rider. Sometimes in our spiritual life, it's the same, but it's hard. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up. We're gonna close. We still have one more verse, but um, you know, in Luke 15, Jesus tells a story that, that most of us have all heard. It's the story of the prodigal son. And most of us know the story of, of the younger son who goes to his father and says, listen, I want all my stuff. I want, I want it all now. And the father, the father gives it to him. And the son goes off to a far off country and he begins to live a life of sin and 
begins to do all these things, and eventually, eventually the money runs out, and the friends disappear, and we, we know the story, and he ends up in a pig pen. He ends up looking longingly at the food that the pig is, is eating. And in that story, there's this beautiful moment that I want to talk about. Because here's the thing. That younger son, that prodigal son, you want to, he was struggling in that moment. He was hurting at that moment. And in that moment, he could have done a lot of different things. He could have said, you know what, the race is too hard. I'll just sit here and have a pity party. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. He could have done a lot of different things. But look what he ends up doing. Luke 15, 17, the first part of 18. This is what it says. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. And look at verse 18. I will go home. I will go home. You know, the prodigal is a story of so many things, but in this little, little moment, we see a young man who is struggling hurting go back to the race analogy he's he's on one of those hills and and here's the thing you know it's like we we tend sometimes to look at him and go well you should have known better or whatever but but the bottom line is, is he's where he's at right now he's hurting he's struggling he doesn't understand that in this moment he has a decision to make that will literally transform his life or continue his life down a life of pain and, and destruction. And he comes to his senses and he says, I'm going home. Here's the thing that we need to understand. The struggle is real. The struggle is painful. And yeah, there are benefits that are there, and we need to understand that. But at times, sometimes, can we just be honest? It hurts too much. So what do we do? We go home. We come to our senses, and we go home. Because no matter how hard the struggle no matter how hard the training, no matter how much when we get back and we're just beat up and tired and worn out, when we go home, everything is made all right again. When we go and we allow our Jesus to say, you know what, and he wraps us up in his arms. And he says, I know it was hard. I know it was difficult. I know sometimes the training is intense. but I'm so proud of you. I'm so, I'm so excited about what you're doing and, and you are gonna have this victory. The victory's already been won. You're just gonna have to finish this race. You know, I, I just couldn't talk about suffering and, and training in this way without bringing it to a close and say, you know what, if that's where you're at and you're hurting and you're suffering right now, because sometimes I'll be honest, you know what? Just to be completely honest, the growth isn't enough sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, we know we're going to grow. We're no, and sometimes it's not enough. You know what's always enough? Going home to our Jesus. That's always more than enough. So yeah, it is true that we're growing and that suffering is there. But you know what? We also have to remember that the greatest thing is crossing that finish line. With Jesus knowing that no matter where we are on that journey that he's with us and he'll never leave us and never forsake us so many of us because of the pain and because of the hurt because of the training 
we fail to remember that at times we just need to go home and allow Jesus to hold us close. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to just ask you a simple question. Are you suffering? Are you working? Are you training? If you're not, listen, it's, it's, time, it's time to get a training plan. That's what this series is all about in a lot of ways. It's time to get a plan to grow. It's time to get a plan to get stronger in your faith and stronger in your relationship with Jesus. But if you are right now and you're in that moment, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're at that moment where you're going, you know what, it's enough to know that I'm growing through this. But can we just be honest with ourselves? Most of us, we have a hard time even with that. I want to invite you, whether you're struggling or even you're not, that this morning, you go home. You go home and you're reminded of the victory. You're reminded of why you're working so hard. Because you have a hope as Paul writes to Timothy, because we have a hope that is found in Christ. Not in some hat, not in some medal, not in some pat in the back from a human being, but from the God that created us, that'll say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hear me, those are words we're gonna hear one day when all this is over, but do not believe for a moment that the Jesus that loves you will still not look at you today and say, you can do it, you can make it, you're doing a good job, I'm proud of you, I love you, you can make it. Some of us think the encouragement only comes at the end of the race. When we go home, we can get that encouragement that we need today. And so I want to invite you to go home. To experience a closeness that God has for you. Whether you're here, whether you're online, God is inviting you home. Yeah, it's hard. The struggle is real. But the victory and our Jesus is greater. So let's go home. Father, we love you. We thank you. God, we thank you for this invitation for all of us. Yeah, we struggle. Yeah, we work. Yeah, we do the things that we do. We struggle in certain areas. But God, you bring that struggle and that training to get us stronger in you, to accomplish the race. God, we don't want to be people who don't finish the race. We don't want to be people who barely make it across the finish line and don't finish strong. God, we want to be a people who when we cross that finish line, we're literally going, what, that's all you got? I can do more. I can continue to do more. But Jesus says, no, my child, you're done. You're finished. You did the race. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let those words be said of all of us, but help us to do the things that we need to do to accomplish those things so that we finish strong. Help us, Father. Help us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. We have John and the worship team come, and they're going to lead us in a quick closing chorus. Thank you, God.
Trust me, in those moments, you're growing. In those moments, you're moving forward. In those moments, you're training. And in those moments where it seems like it might get to be a little bit too much, remember, go home. Go home. Go home. And let Jesus bring forth just a level of help and love and comfort that only he can bring that encouragement those things that can only be spoken over you by Jesus and then you can go at it again so father we love you and we thank you for this moment and this time and father I do pray that you would help me and all of us as hard as it is at times as much as we desire comfort and ease to the moment in that moment to embrace the struggle embrace the training embrace the pain sometimes that comes because we know that those things are going to build us up build us up and help us to finish our race and finish it strong for you not for our glory but for yours because all praise and all glory and all honor is yours so we worship you this morning and we love you help us god we love you so much in jesus name amen Thank you for being here this morning. For those that are online, hey, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. If you need anything, reach out. Don't be afraid. We love you so much. Hope you all have a wonderful, great week, and we'll talk to you soon.